0: How happy is the blameless vessel's lot? The world forgetting by the world forgot. Eternal sunshine of a spotless
1: mind. Each prayer accepted, and each wish resigned.
0: Is there any risk of brain damage? Well, uh,
1: technically speaking, the procedure is brain damage, but it's it's on a par with a night of heavy drinking. Nothing you'll miss.
0: It's time for a little something i forget my notes say i'm professor robert E. G. black and i'm here with evan from left of the projector and it's time to discuss eternal sunshine of the spotless mind but they're erasing me i have no memory of any of this so evan take it away okay
1: well eternal sunshine of the spotless mind if i can remember correctly i can't either (laughs) They, they got me too
0: oh well thank you for listening Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts.
1: It, it, it was a movie minute or a podcast minute.
0: I, I did that once. <laughs> I, did, I did an episode of Michael Myers Minute where I was like, can I discuss this minute of the movie with behind the scenes information, with commentary and keep it under a minute? And I edited it. So it was exactly a minute. <laughs> with an intro and outro. And I had to talk really fast. It was crazy. And I shouldn't remember that because they would have erased it along with all my other movie knowledge and podcast knowledge, I assume.
1: Unless you hit it somewhere. Yeah,
0: I hit it in my shame center where I was intruded upon by Kyoko coming in to wake me up. <laughs> it all ties together. We are at a house where, oddly enough, someone named Rob lives, which this set amuses me because it is, I'm fairly sure, I, in the back room of the bookstore is where they put this, which is part of why there's books everywhere oh. on the piano and over behind the chair. Because the transition they did from the bookstore is basically why they put this in here. And it's why we don't see a lot of angles of this room.
1: Yeah, you just get the staircase really up. We see the
0: stairs, we see the piano and the chair. And that's it. So it's where Rob and Carrie live. Rob just, the dog got off his lap. And now he's telling it to get off as minute 25 begins. And then we get a shot of Joel. And I only noticed as I was doing the notes this minute, I didn't notice last minute the calendar is wrong. This movie is set in 2004. That calendar is not 2004. The days that the months start and end are wrong. I don't know what calendar it is. I didn't go that far. Jumping in from editing because apparently I couldn't even be bothered to check the obvious. This is a 2003 calendar, which would have been when they were filming. Because then it amused me when they were at a wider shot and there's just a picture of their dog just pasted on the calendar. (laughs) Probably to cover up whatever it actually was. And the picture is not straight. Like, it's clearly just taped on. Joel says, right, yeah. I don't want to seem desperate. And Carrie comes back downstairs with the laundry basket. That's when we get the wider shot. And she says, Joel, why don't you just see this as a sign? Make a clean break. And she looks toward Rob. Right? And we hear a second, right, as she's setting the laundry basket down. But her mouth doesn't move as she's in the foreground of the angle on Rob. We also hear Joel moaning in the background. Rob says, all right, Joel, look, man, seriously. And he opens a drawer next to him, which there's a cigar box above. Remember, he offered them a joint earlier. That's probably way. I
1: was going to say, I assume it's inside the cigar box.
0: He gets out an envelope and Carrie's like, Rob, he says, here's the deal. And she says, don't do that. Rob, what are you doing? No, 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 no. And he says, what's your fucking suggestion, Carrie? What's your brilliant reason solution? (laughs)
1: I love David Cross.
0: Yeah. And this scene is basically, it's a great marker about relationships because Rob and Carrie clearly have problems. Rob's side of the room, he has a recliner. There are headphones hanging on the lamp next to it and a folded up tray table. Like this is the place he retreats to like smoke his joints or maybe he's got a TV behind where the camera is, where he's a gamer. I don't know. This is 2004. So yeah, that could have been a thing. The other side of the room has a piano. Which is not about being alone. A piano is made to be heard. Fills the room. He's got headphones. And so it tells us a lot about their relationship and who they are as characters. I don't think the movie ever tells us outright that Carrie is Joel's sister. No, I just assumed but that. that's what I've been operating
1: by. Yeah, I assumed
0: that. Yeah. But they're definitely friends. And they knew the couple. That's why they got this card that Rob was going to hand him. Carrie says, oh, you're going to make this about our shit now? This isn't about us. Which, of course, with relationships, of course it is. If they're going to get involved, that's going to affect their relationship as well. Yeah. Whatever their problems are.
1: Yeah. I, I may note that it was like, I, I think the same as you said is it was almost like this is like a temperature check to put Clem and Joel's relationship into perspective. Yeah. Cause you're thinking earlier, like that all they do is, is it's fight. But then, like every other, almost all the couples in this, there is no real, I don't know. I don't know if you want to say healthy because you could argue they are healthy, but there's no like, relationship in the movie where there's not seemingly a problem yeah
0: well and up to this point in the movie we've only seen sort of positive version of joel and clem
1: true that's true yes
0: they met a few days from now for the first time so at last we meet for the first time for the last time and it was awkward their conversation but they seem to both be happy about it and so now we're getting Carrie and Rob as this bad version of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, here's what it could be. And we get a great angle on Joel sitting on the stairs because he's confused, but he's listening and. When Carrie walked past him, he's got his hand holding onto the railing really tight, but he looks like a little kid watching his parents argue.
1: I thought the same thing. It's like he he feels like you're you're sitting at the top of the stairs while there's action downstairs and you're like you're looking down over the the top Uh of the the thing. Yeah.
0: And then Rob says, I agree, it's not about us. It's about Joel, who's an adult. Okay, not Mama Carrie's kid. But in this moment, he feels like their kid. That's the way the scene is framed. His parents are fighting, and he's over there not understanding why.
1: Like the prelude to when he's like the little kid under the table with his mother.
0: Yeah. And Rob takes a card out of the envelope. Carrie throws the unfolded laundry at Rob, one piece at a time. And he's like, what are you? And she says, that's your laundry. <laughs> I love this scene. And then we get an angle on Joel again as Carrie leaves and goes up the stairs. And that's where Joel's holding onto the railing really tight. And Rob says, that's great. That's good. And he holds out the card and he he turns it in his hand, like just to make sure Joel notices. And Joel comes over and takes it and then holds it up by the lamp to look at it. And Rob is blurry in the background, but this is basically just a focus pole. Yeah. Not the plastic sheet that they use in other scenes. And the camera rises to Joel as he's looking at this card, which means Rob is no longer in the scene visually. You commented on the music in two days ago on Ex Machina. The music kind of cuts off as Joel looks at it and says, okay, it keeps going, but there's this moment in the music where it gets quiet.
1: Yeah. Perfectly done. So
0: that we focus, he focuses, and we get the insert of the card where it says, dear Mr. And Mrs. Eakin, Clementine Krasinski has had Joel Barish erased from her memory. Please never mention their relationship to her again. Thank you. Lacuna Inc. And this is where the internet got the 210 address, which is wrong. I mentioned it several minutes ago and I got confused where it came from. It's from this card. It says 210 East Grand Street, New York, New York. Mm. That is not Lacuna's address.
1: Well, even before the card, which also email's a thing now, they could have done that, <laughs> I guess.
0: It even looks like it was made on a typewriter.
1: <laughs> it does. Well, the office doesn't have a computer. Uh, well, I'd have well to- they
0: have computers because they use yeah. a laptop that they bring. Later,
1: right, right. But th- what I was thinking too is, I mean, maybe I'm jumping ahead. Well,
0: that's basically the end of the minute because the music starts right. to come back in as he's looking at the card. And
1: yeah, so the thing that I noted, you know, in this is because if we know from the meeting of Joel and Clementine originally that basically Rob is the catalyst for both of their meetings. Well, yeah, now that I say that out loud, that doesn't sound right because they meet at their party yeah, right at the beach at the beach. And then, but if he didn't find the card, he wouldn't have his memory erased. Right. And he wouldn't have had his memory erased and he would have hit the memory to then meet her again. So maybe it works kind of. It's a time loop. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and a pretty good one. Yeah. If he doesn't get this card in this moment, he doesn't erase her. They don't meet in a few days because he wakes up on Valentine's Day at the beginning of the movie. Right. This is three days before the 14th. So that gives him enough days to go to the office tomorrow depending on what time it is right now, and probably go back to his place, gather up all his stuff, and bring it back, because he does miss things. So he does probably do it in a hurry, packing up all the stuff to bring to them.
1: And it seemed dark in the background of the scene, although I don't know if you can. you see the windows? Maybe you can't. I was thinking that it seemed dark, so it would probably be at night, presumably. I
0: think there isn't there a window behind Rob, but it's hard to tell because I think there's curtains. I don't know if the
1: yeah, so I guess yeah. you're right. I guess it could, you might not know exactly what time it is. Presumably, he probably goes home distressed. He wakes up the next morning to go to the office. He demands to find out what's going on. They give right. him his. He, op-
0: he might even call him before he leaves. Robin Carey's. Yeah, you know they got a phone right. And then he's probably when we see him in the office. What next minute? It's probably first thing in the morning. Yeah, because he wants to get this, find out what this is, and see if this is real.
1: It's such a ridiculous. Every time I watch this movie. Based on the error of it not being, you know, the eighties or nineties, like I said, with no email. It's such a ludicrous thing where they're sending out these like cards. Uh-huh. How do you know you're sending it to everyone? And you know, how
0: do you know the right people can people leave
1: their cards? Yeah, exactly. Like you get how much mail do you get that you just like, this is crap, throw in the trash? You know, you don't know what it yeah, is.
0: Lacuna Inc., I don't know what that is. I'm throwing that away.
1: It sounds like a marketing scam. Yeah. You're sending them out, you could go to your friend's house. You've been to your you know, someone's house and they have their mail kind of just from that day sitting out. You could you're not know, gonna open your friend's mail. I hope, but you might see it sitting there. So I don't know.
0: Well, yeah. Joel saw Frank's mail at the mail room at the apartment. Do you see the return? It says Lacuna in the corner. Yeah.
1: Okay. So it does. Yeah. So it just seems like a crazy, it, it, Like, if, I mean, obviously the technology itself is interesting, but it, that, it, for some reason that bugs me that they're just handing out little cards, you know, like the, from the dentist, uh, you know, you got your appointment in three months. So here's your little card. Oh, I, yeah.
0: I have plenty of problems with the way Lacuna works. If we think this is reality. I think the movie is good to make it feel a little mundane. It looks like a dentist office. It's just a place you go to get this thing done. Yeah. They send out a card instead of reminder cards for your dentist appointment. Everyone else gets a reminder card that you had that appointment.
1: Yeah. It does look like a dentist office. I mean, maybe they took over an old dentist office. You know, I yeah. guess all the doctors kind of places have a very similar vibe.
0: Right. So they want it to feel simple because that's not the point. This isn't a science fiction film per se. No. About memory erasure. This is a... Time loop love story? I was going to say romantic comedy, sort of. But it's not a comedy. At least the romance isn't.
1: A rom- It's
0: not necessarily romantic. Right.
1: Is that a thing? A rom drama? A romantic drama? Yeah. Yeah, not a science fiction. I think that's what makes it beautiful, is that the technology, it makes it seem complicated, But it doesn't, it seems easy the way that when they're operating, it's like, oh, press this, press that. Well, right.
0: They don't have to pay attention. They just have to see that it got this little dot of emotion on some scanner. Yeah. And we just have to understand his perspective because that's what the movie is telling us. It's Joel's perspective of what he's experiencing, which is the emotional core of all these memories. And that's what it is for us. It doesn't matter whether we get the technical aspects because we have to experience the emotions as well because that's what movies are. Yeah. It's fun if you also understand how the movies put together and all the technical stuff but you don't need it.
1: No. And I feel like it makes it more somehow believable by not knowing.
0: Right. As soon as I start thinking about it, I'm like, there's no way Lacuna can charge you money for this process. So it's really cool that Lacuna does this for free. That is awesome.
1: It's interesting. This is probably at this point in Jim Carrey's career, his most well-known non comedy. In my podcast, we just did the Truman show. Right. And I feel like that was his first departure. And in this movie, he's but in Truman show. He's like, He's, I mean, he's obviously he's acting. I feel like this is supremely better acting in a, in a different way. He's, he's very good in this film.
0: Truman Show is interesting because the movie is a drama, but it's almost like his character's in a comedy.
1: Yes. And I, and I, I just said, I don't think anyone else could have played that character in that movie. Yeah. Just so as I don't feel like another, I can't think of another actor that could have filled in Jim Carrey's role in this movie.
0: Well, now that I think about it, this is almost the opposite of the Truman Show. Here, the movie is a comedy, but he is going through a drama.
1: Yeah, I like, guess that's right. His
0: perspective is tragic and sad and desperate, but the movie is just like fun little romp, romantic comedy in reverse.
1: Yeah, yeah. They're both sad in different ways. I guess, and you could say in, in this movie, he has a presumably happy ending, you could call it. Yeah. Happy ending. Whereas Truman Show, it's a happy ending, but it's also a, not a happy ending. <laughs>
0: They both have a weird,
1: yeah, you know, it's...
0: Both have that ambiguity at the end.
1: Fate to black. We're
0: not sure. He goes out that door or starts a new relationship with Clem here. We're not sure how that's going to go. We can guess here. It's going to be really weird over on the Truman Show.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Imagine being the most recognizable person. Yeah.
0: He's the most famous person on the planet and he has no idea how life works.
1: Yeah. He's never seen a computer because I think they make the show be in the... It's like, you know, trapped in time. Whereas in Eternal Sunshine... He presumably can have a normal life, but you also always have it hanging over him that he, they both had this procedure, which I, I love the, the playing of the tapes, you know, in the movie. Yeah. I think it's such another airing of like relationship grievances or... Well,
0: right. The, I think they will have a better chance the second time. Absolutely. It might not be successful, but it will be better.
1: Right. Because they can pr-
0: predict. And if, the, if there's enough detail on the tapes, it could be really good for them. Almost like therapy. It'd be better if they have therapy where they interact with each other, but they could also do that.
1: Yeah, I picture them doing therapy while they bring their tapes. Yeah. Like the therapists in the room while they're listening to each other, you know.
0: Lacuna should employ some therapists.
1: (laughs) They might not have any, well, I guess presumably they're done at the end.
0: Yeah. Well, or they're so famous they get tons of business now. I don't know. True, yeah. I imagine now the second go-around, like the hard parts, where your partner now, like Clem does something that Joel doesn't like, and he's like, should I have warned myself about that one? Like, he's keeping notes. What do I want to put on the tape next time? And that's not healthy. No. You don't want to have the option of erasing people in that regard. Because <laughs> then you're just keeping a list.
1: And the, and the thing that's so, I mean, maybe it's, it's like on the nose of it, but, you know, you see when Joel goes to the office the first time, you see a woman, old woman, kind of tearing with like her dog's leash yeah. and stuff in her hands. And presumably people have like their, their husband died or you know, their grandfather died. I assume it's probably a common theme of someone dying and they want to forget them, but it seems so antithetical to like the idea of grieving to begin with, where you're going to erase the idea of sometimes of, you know, religion of someone dies and you want to live their memory to live on. Yeah. You're erasing this memory of a person you presumably loved. And it's such a, it's such a twisted, I mean, I can't imagine wanting to erase someone who died in my life. I don't know.
0: I was thinking of, I don't know if you're familiar with the book Speaker for the Dead. No, I'm not. By Orson Scott Card. He's a problematic guy, but that book is amazing. And it's basically about this guy in the future who he travels to this planet to do essentially a funeral. And what a Speaker for the Dead does is he shows up and he is going to give an objective eulogy. Basically, he's going to go around and interview all the people that were in this guy's life, figure out what he was really like, and then give Speech about what this guy was like and why he was who he was, Mm. and the guy he's going to do this for was an awful person. Like he was abusive to his wife, and but he's going to give a subjective portrait of this guy that other people might not want to speak positively about. And I'm trying to think of how you could erase someone, but like just leave yourself a note. I erased this person, so that then you go try find out why was I involved with this person in the first place, and you go and find everyone else who did know them, everyone who got these cards. Now you're going to them and deliberately asking them, what can you tell me about Clementine Ryginski?
1: What will they say? I guess is the question. Right.
0: And you like interview all these people so you can like circle in and eventually get to her again. But he gets to her immediately because of in the brain, they're both thinking we need to get back together because they unfortunately erase the relationship in reverse. So they have the positive memories last.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess you could also use this technology or this process to erase portions of. I mean if you don't want to erase the person from your memory you could you know erase a bad memory presumably I guess
0: yeah my conclusion so far when we talk about this with other guests is I wouldn't want to erase anything that was too long ago because then that memory is interact with other memories and it colors other things and I would want to know that I erased something because otherwise like he found that he had 2 years of his journal were missing if he doesn't know why that's going to plague him, or it would me.
1: You think someone stole it, someone has it. If
0: I do a daily journal, that's like, someone stole this. What did they get? What have I written in the last two years that someone else has somewhere now? Maybe someone at work took it. He doesn't know. If he draws every day and now he's got two years of drawings he doesn't have, that messes with what he thinks of his art, probably.
1: So you'd want to know that you did it. Right. And what you erased.
0: It's like, you had this relationship, it didn't go well, you erased it. Now, move on, and that could be healthy, sort of you're probably going to make the same mistakes with the new relationship, but you're probably going to do that anyway, yeah, because you're still you
1: yeah you're predisposed yeah i mean that that's why you don't know if the relationship would succeed is are they inevitably going to fall back on the same behavior, maybe they will, but maybe knowing what that behavior was from their tapes, you actively stop that behavior, yeah, like if you know that there's a behavior your partner doesn't like you might try and stop yourself from doing it and over time you might do it
0: yeah that's where the tapes are useful yeah they know what did they think of each other it's interesting that jill might actually be changed more fundamentally though because because he tries to hide he has that childhood memory of being bathed in the sink erased he has that memory of being bullied into hitting that bird erased he has that memory of being caught masturbating erased. Yeah. And so what does that change of how he thinks of his whole childhood now too? And does that change how he behaves in the present or does he end up still being the same person?
1: Yeah. Like do those singular events change your course.
0: Yeah. It's like, if you just erase a random memory, does that change who you are?
1: I mean, the bird one feels like of all those feels like the most important
0: yeah that might be the reason that he is sort of a loner who just sits around and draws and writes in a journal all the time i don't know
1: yeah it could change his personality yeah but you don't you only see what one full day of him in the new present
0: sort of two but we don't see all of either one
1: so you don't know how because their date on the
0: ice is the night after the day that they first met
1: but maybe the scene where he goes into the hallway to chase after he might not have done before yeah. Because he's very shy and he is afraid.
0: Yeah. Maybe the bullying incident being erased was good for him. Maybe he wouldn't have made that step or the fact that she's now in whatever version of that memory is still in his head changed the way he interacts with it. So he's even going to be more attached to her. It's going to be fun when I get to those scenes again. Yeah.
1: <laughs> when I think of it in that way, it's, uh, those, me- I never thought of like how those memories would interact. Because like, you're erasing things, but he erased things you weren't supposed to. That's right. part of the process.
0: Well, that's like when she asked him, when they, when they were on the ice, and she asked him to name the constellations. And there's this pause, and I'm like, what if he doesn't know any constellations anymore? Because she always asked him about constellations.
1: See, I-, I thought he didn't. I mean, you do have that split moment where you think he's not going to remember or know.
0: Yeah. And I'm wondering if maybe he literally doesn't remember any actual constellations. So fortunately, he's creative. He's able to make one up. But maybe he doesn't remember them because they were erased, just like he doesn't remember Oh My Darling Clementine, yeah. Huckleberry Hound, and all that. That freaked her
1: out, I feel like. He's like, what? You don't know this song?
0: Yeah. Because when they meet the first time, which we'll see at the end of the movie, he immediately does make a comment on her name. Yeah. But it's cute.
1: Yeah, he doesn't do it in a mean way. Right. Playful.
0: He's not Phil Connors.
1: <laughs> no, no. He's he's the opposite, perhaps.
0: Essentially, we've got the males in my movies are getting nicer as the week goes, you know, from Nathan to Phil to Joel. Yes. They're still all a little problematic depending on how you look at it, but hey, they're men.
1: Yes. Joel has his preconceptions of the world, it seems.
0: Yeah. And so does And The movie's open about that. Yeah. Patrick is the bad one in this case. And Mirzwiak, Yes. Yes. You erased your relationship with Mary, but you also should have, you know, gotten her a new job somewhere else.
1: Yeah. That's, I hadn't thought about that, but it's kind of creepy Don't that she's still working. Work. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe that whatever they had was so brief, it didn't mean much to him, but that's also a problem because she clearly still likes him.
1: Yeah. And she's almost half his age and right. a little creepy. Patrick's creepy too.
0: Oh, yeah. Stan's the only nice one. Yeah. But of course he's also the one going around erasing people's memories. However positive that is. But
1: they, 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 they ask for They it. sign up.
0: Yeah. People want to hear you talk about other movies. Where can they do so?
1: Yeah. You can check out the left of the projector. Uh, we talk about movies from a leftist perspective. You can get it on Spotify, Apple podcasts, or the website for the podcast itself, which is left of the projector. com And our most recent episode, we discussed The Truman Show, as we discussed today. Yeah. Maybe that's just on my brain, Jim Carrey. Another movie where Jim Carrey is funny, but not funny.
0: Right. Thank you for listening. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for Minutia Ex Machina, every Wednesday for the Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute, and every Thursday for more Eternal Sunshine. And you can follow all three shows on one feed, Just search An Existential Trilogy. Follow this show on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Spotless Minute. This has been a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com or join the Facebook group Lemming Drops Studio Tour. Also, you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Until next time.
1: This is it, Joel. Oh, God. It's going to be gone soon.
0: Okay, oh, we're sorry. I know. Oh, what do we do? I want to call it off. Do it. Can you hear me? I don't want this anymore. I want to call it off. <laughs>
1: Bolt your windows and turn.
0: Welcome to Michael Myers Minute, where we delve into the 1978 horror class Halloween. One minute at a time. I'm your host, Robert Black. Minute 65. Bob goes to get beers. Bob, be right back. Don't get dressed. He leaves. Second 6 to 21. he gets comfy like a cat. Cut to interior hallway. Bob walks past a big painting of a cat and enters interior Wallace kitchen. Walks toward the sink, doubles back, realizing where the refrigerator is. Bob one is drunk. Two has never been to the Wallace house. Three both. He opens the refrigerator, takes out two beers. He opens the cupboard, finds a can of peanuts. In the script, Bob gathers the food and beer into his arms. He shuts out the light with his elbow. He turns to leave the doors. Wham! He steps into a chair, knocking him backwards. The beer falls on the floor along with the chips of the peanuts. Bob leans down to pick the Bob, God damn it! Another angle. Bob has his head down. Intent on cleaning up the mess. There's a slam from across the kitchen. Bob looks up. As scripted, there's too much going on. Grabbing the chips and the penis is a comedic moment. Dropping the beer is the punchline. The film doesn't need all that. Second 46. The back door of the kitchen slowly swings open as if it has been slammed shut and the bolt didn't catch. Bob walks over to the door. Bob, Annie, and the minute ends. That is all for Minute 65. Michael Myers Minute is a production of Let Me Drop Studio. You can find more content at lemmedrops.com. stalk me on Twitter and Facebook at Myers Minute or Instagram Michael Myers Minute. Till next time.